You are listening to Gangland Wire, hosted by former Kansas City Police Intelligence Unit Detective Gary Jenkins. Well, welcome all you wiretappers out there back here in the studio of Gangland Wire. I have on the uh, Zoom call uh, Lou Romano, Louis Romano. I uh, I got on to him. I was trying to research uh, John A. Light, and, and then I ran into a book about him and one about Gene Borello. And then I, I looked at the author and I thought, well, heck, he's a pretty interesting guy himself. Uh, I always like people that have the same kind of a story that I do. You know, I did. I was a policeman all my life. And, and then I went to law school and then I started doing the podcast and I've written a few, three books and done some documentary movies about the Kansas City mob. And Lou did the same thing. He he had a whole other career. And then later in life, he got into writing. And, and believe me, he's been a pro- prolific writer. That's a $25 word there. Prolific <laughs> writer. <laughs> he's got the Detective Vic Bent Ganella series, the Gino Rano series. Uh, he's got these true crime books. He's got a uh, series of uh, short stories, short story collections. Uh, Lou, welcome. Thank you, Gary. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about, and I think everybody's interested in this transition story, because a lot of my readers or listeners are are kind of our age, I think, and, and you know, and, and yeah. maybe even aspire to do some things like what you've done. And, and so tell us, how do you, how'd you get in and what'd you do for a living before? Well, I was in the oil industry. I was a salesman and a sales manager and a vice president of a couple of oil companies in New York City. Oil meaning selling to the end user, the big the big apartment buildings that you see in New oh, York, yeah. and the, the hospitals and the and the and the bus companies for their diesel fuel. And I had a, I had a very fun and interesting career, um, and I was pretty good at it. And I, at fifty eight years old, I decided, you know what, I've had enough of this. And I started a couple of small companies which feed me now because certainly the writing doesn't, maybe it will one day. <laughs> uh, and um, I decided that I wanted to write a book and I wrote a book, which was my, not my best book. It's called fish farm. Yeah. And um, I needed to, it's like, it's like anything else in life. You have to learn your craft as you go yes, forward. Yes. And I knew nothing about writing then, but people read the book and they said, we like it. It should be a movie. You, you got a great <laughs> character here. So then I read another book. Uh, I, I wrote another book called Bessa, which is about the Albanian mafia. And that's that uh, that Gino Rano series you're talking about. Uh, and he's he's the main character in all, all the six series book. And Gino uh, is, is an Italian guy from the Bronx like me. And he gets involved with the mob. And um, the, the, the that book Bessa became a pretty good bestseller. And mm. uh, it's about the Albanians. And we could talk about that another time. But I've, uh, I have a lot of Albanian friends, I'm writing a book about an Albanian friend's life right now. Uh, and that book really catapulted me on to start writing more, I enjoy it. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm basically semi retired from business, mostly retired, my son and I own a business. And then I have another energy uh, brokerage company that I own. Uh, so that keeps me fat and happy. And um, the more the older I get, the more I look like Mario Puzo. I mean, <laughs> I got to do something. So, uh, uh, so you know, I, I write about what I know about because I was yeah. around the mob most of my life. I wasn't involved with them because and forgive me for your readers and your listeners, rather, who are out there of Italian ancestry. But my mother used to say, 
stay away from those Guinea bastards in the Bronx, you know, uh, and luckily for her, I didn't go down that route. Although I had several chances to do so. Yeah. Uh, my father was okay with it because his father was involved. So, so he was okay with it, but my mom wasn't. Yeah. God rest her soul. And I stayed, I stayed in her path. I, I listened to her and I was a good boy and I went to Catholic school until I am almost got thrown out about a dozen times because my, my, my grades stunk. So what I'm called now, um, other than the asshole word, uh, what I'm called now is I'm called a, a crossover writer because I've written historic fiction about Sicily. And I've written, as you said, and thank you for doing your homework, uh, some short story books and other things. But I really I really tend to go to the crime fiction and now the crime, the real crime uh, yeah. books. And that's how I how I met uh, John Ali. And so he's Albanian. Is that not correct? Yeah, he's 100 percent Albanian from Queens. Uh, He's a terrific guy. Uh, You know, and you sit down and you say he's a terrific guy, but he's he's admitted to 16 murders. Yeah. But he's a terrific guy. I mean, I I love what you you know, Jack the Ripper was a great guy. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, Lou, I've interviewed several of these guys and, and some of them have been murderers. And, you know, and in this context, they're terrific guys. You know, they're fun to talk to. <laughs> so They really are. I mean, there's no one more engaging when you go out than John A. Light. I mean, the way I met him is when I was casting for him. We're trying to make that Bessa book into a movie. Uh-huh. And I was doing a casting thing and he heard about it and called me. And I said, yeah, I mean, I'd love to have you in the film. Uh, it didn't take off because of financial difficulties, but we still have it on the table. So uh, we started seeing each other as friends. Uh, talking about writing his books and so forth. Uh, he had a couple of books that were written that were great uh, and a couple that were not so great. So he said to me, would you write my new, my new book called uh, John A. Light Mafia International? Uh, I said, yeah, I, I'll, I'll try it. And I spent countless hours with him in person on the telephone. Yeah, uh, I can remember one time, if I could tell a little story, we were at a steakhouse in New Jersey where I live. Um, of course, the Soprano state, right? That's what New Jersey. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm looking at this guy and I'm saying, man, this is, this guy's, uh, he, he's a rat. He ratted out yeah. the, the Gambinos. Yeah. And I'm sitting in this restaurant saying, what happens? So I said, John, what happens if a couple of guys come in and start shooting up this place? I said, I'm just a fat little writer from you know the Bronx. <laughs> he said, they, he said, Lou, I'm not worried about them. They have to worry about me. <laughs> I, I like that. It. That's a I like it. <laughs> yeah. And that's his attitude. Yeah, that's his attitude. I mean, the guy's as tough as nails. Yeah. So, so Lou, for the people that are not that familiar with John A. Light, if you're a real mob fan, you're familiar with John A. Light. If you're on social media and YouTube, right. you know about John A. Light, but everybody isn't like that. You know, he's had some kind of some, uh, he stirs a lot of, of hate, shall we say, on, on YouTube and social media because he was a rat and, and he's yeah. just like right up in everybody's face. And then he's kind of successful. You know, he was on that, uh, uh, oh, yeah. documentary uh fear city and and yes uh and and his uh youtube channel does pretty well him and gene barello yeah. who we'll talk about in a little bit but tell us you know who is john a live what was his kind of claim uh, to the mob fame he, he was a knock around kid uh grew up with a dad who wanted him to fight he was very good with his hands and he actually wanted to be a stockbroker at one point uh he went to college he played baseball great baseball player uh, could have got professional uh, looks, but 
he had some physical problems, you know, being injured. Uh, so his dream of being a baseball player was, uh, was, was t- uh, thrown to the wayside. Uh, John then got into uh, the nefarious life, the life of mm-hmm. life of crime, uh, being around uh, where he lived in Queens. Uh, it was really easy to start doing bad things. So eventually he got involved with uh, with uh, and he was in, into boxing. He's still into boxing uh, and exercise. He's in great condition, um, although he's had some heart problems of late, because as you get older, things happen. Yeah. as We all know. Uh, but John, um, John uh, started with the Gambinos, uh, and he eventually became a uh, a uh, um, an enforcer for the Gambinos. When you talk to some of the Gambino people now, they deny it, uh, but he had all the information. He has all the photographs with them, and uh, you know he was he was in court many times, and he was. He, I don't know how he survived because he was thrown into prison in Brazil, of all places. Uh, and that was a really bad situation. He came close to losing his life. He was on the run. And then when he realized he was, he was out of the life, they started turning on him. So, you know, tit for tat, you're turning on me. Well, I'm going to break my, my, um, my code of silence. Although he was never a made man. Yeah. Uh, he can't be a made man, Gary, because he's Albanian. You've got to be a hundred percent Sicilian, uh, Italian on both parts, yeah. on both sides of your family. And John's Albanian. So all he was, was a, he, he was an enforcer, you know, beating the crap out of people, baseball batting them, stabbing them up, shooting them, killing them uh, at the behest of his bosses. Uh, they seem to be denying it of late. I, I've been seeing things on YouTube uh, where the Gotti sisters are saying he never knew my father, uh, but I, I tend to believe John. I don't yeah. believe every single word he says because uh, I'm sure he embellishes some things, uh, but he's got the background. He's got the he's got the talk. He's got the lingo. He talks in absolute mob parlance. He knows everything about everybody. And the amazing thing about John, other than being a mafia enforcer, is he's got a photographic memory. Yeah. I mean, he's a really a brilliant guy. I got to tell you that. You know, he talks like me. He's, he's from Queens. He's got that New York yeah. accent. But he's a brilliant guy. He's very smart. Um, and he's into a thousand things. Now he's trying to get his movie career going. Uh, and he's, if you sit with him, you fall in love with him immediately. Yeah, I, I could tell that from sitting him on those things. He's, he's very charismatic. And, and yeah. you know, he, he, did, he testified uh, against a Gambino enforcer, Charlie Carnelia. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and obviously he, he was there. He, he was one of the guys. Uh, uh, so I, I, I don't really doubt his bona fides as, as we call them. Now, yeah. we, we just talked about the Albanian, the Albanian <clears throat> mob. Now, what, what does that mean in New York? I think I told you a little story about I ran into some guys that were hanging out and they had a limo service and I was retired and I looked at him. I said, well, those look like the guys hanging out in front of the social club down there. Right. They, they all kind of, you know, look Italian and they look and, Italian and they yeah. dress the same. And, and, and yeah. it's like the hairs on the back of my neck stood out. And, and they just, they, you know, they all had some little bit of gold jewelry on and, and they just had that look. And, and when I went out and got in a limo and I got the tag off of it, and I called a friend of mine. Like I said, I was retired by then. He said, oh, yeah. He said, that's our Albanian mob here in Kansas City. They got a big limo service. <laughs> and, and yeah, they, well, and we got them bringing else, that drug dealer back from the airport doing. and things like that. But uh, so yeah. what's that mean by the Albanian mob? It's not 
uh, uh, pyramid sh- uh, shape with a boss and and no, uh, all the way no, back to Sicily or Commission. How, how what does that mean, Albanian mob? It, it's 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 Albanian gangsters. It's Albanian bad guys. Uh, and I must say this: I have a lot of Albanian friends since writing the book Bessa, uh, and it's a very tiny portion of their population. Yeah. The Albanians didn't come to this country until the 1960s, the late 1960s. Uh, and they have done so much good. Uh, now their children are going to medical school and they're doctors and they're lawyers, a lot of attorneys and a lot of professional people, financial people, very successful people. And in a very small period of time, I mean, I have to tell you about 80% of the pizzerias in the New York area are owned by Albanians. Oh, really? I'm serious. Huh. Probably 60 or 70% of the Italian restaurants, even the better ones, are owned by Albanians. I mean, you've heard of Chaz Palminteri. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to say he's a friend of mine. Chaz um, has a restaurant called Chaz Palminteri, but it's really owned by the Albanian uh, people. <laughs> so they're not gangsters. Yeah. They're regular, good, hardworking people, industrious, smart, hardworking. But just uh, but like a, any group of people, yeah, a small yeah, percentage like, are going like, to be just like, like Italians like my, or like Sicilians. Sicilians, the same yeah. thing. And they have a vendetta society. They have, uh, they have a, a thing called Hakmadia or Jakmadia. And what that is, is bloodletting. So if yeah. I hurt you, you're going to come back and hurt me. And it may go for seven generations. Uh, it's like it's like the Sicilian vendetta. Yeah. And if you if you hurt somebody in their family, sure as sun's going to come up tomorrow, you're going to get they're going to get back at you. And that's the average Albanian. Not so much today, but back <laughs> yeah. in the day. Uh, they have a thing called the Kanun, uh, which is the, was uh, written in the 1400s, uh, and that's their code. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's their code of, uh, of of ethics or life, so to speak. Um, but they're tough guys, uh, and they are into a lot of things, uh, like any other mob uh, organization. But they're not organized. They're into drugs. Okay. They're into they're into uh, gambling and uh, uh, and you know whatever else uh, the drugs are uh, the. the the uh, I don't I don't see much of prostitution in their in their purview, but uh, a lot of other things. Um, and they're severe. They they're not going to play games with you. They're tough people. Those guys that are in the in the crime end. Uh, but it's not organized where you have a capo and a you know and and, and things like that. It's yeah. it's not like Lucky Luciano made in his day. Okay. Yeah. All right. I got you now. Thank you. So let's talk a little more about John A. Light and and your book. Was was it about him when he was on the run? Uh, he he uh, he had a uh, caught a case when he was down in Florida doing some extortions and, and things yeah. like that with the crew, and then he seemed like he caught a case of some kind. And, yeah, and and then went on a run. And so let's talk about it. That is that what your book's about? A little bit, yeah. It's a little bit about that. It's a little bit about the things that he did up here. Some things that he did overseas. Uh, with these uh, guys from Sweden and, and England who were, oh, who were okay. bad guys. You know, uh, it's trouble seemed to follow him wherever he went. Yeah. Uh, I have a copy of the book. I don't know if you want to oh, see good. it. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was going to ask you to do that. Okay. That's John. Yeah. That's John on a rooftop. Uh, and it, it basically, um, it, it's basically, it's it's called the John A. Light Mafia International. Yeah. Uh, he's... Um, it, the, the book at, at, at times seems to ramble, and I wrote it, yeah. because one story goes into another. And uh, he, he, if anybody says he wasn't the real deal, I have to question them. And 
yeah. including John Gotti Jr. They hate each other. <laughs> yeah, I uh, gathered yeah. that. I but, know the you know, Gotti's uh, hate him. Listen, <laughs> they say bad things about each other, and uh, how long is that going to last? But, uh, yeah, John Gotti Jr., I've never met him. I've never spoken to him. Yeah. But he seems to have gone on the right path now. He's not doing anything. Yeah. What John A. Light is doing now is trying to convince young people not to get into that life. Uh-huh. Because there's there's no future in that life. Tell me, uh, Gary, how many how many major mob guys <laughs> made it and died in their beds? Not many, not many. <laughs> I, I could just I, I think of Carlo Gambino. Yeah. And after that, I, I can't tell you another one. Anthony I mean, Accardo up in Chicago died in his bed. He's one of the Anthony very few, Accardo. Though. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, uh, maybe what's his name down in Florida? Traficante. Yeah. But, you know, you, you, you're murdered or you, or you, you know, or you die in jail. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's what our boss here in Kansas City did. He actually had to get let out of jail on compassionate leave, and his brother died right. in jail. Yeah, and, and his underboss got out, but he was an old man when he got out, uh, and they wouldn't even let him go to the local casinos. He he got out after a long term, and we started up casinos in Kansas City. And they have their own version of the black book, like they do in Vegas. And somebody yeah. spotted this underboss or old underboss, Tuffy DeLuna, playing at a casino. And they ratted him out to the highway patrol, which is responsible for enforcing the rules in the uh, casinos. And they put him in the black book. So the poor old man couldn't even go oh my God. play some cards. <laughs> well, I can tell you that uh, from the town that my my family is from in Sicily, uh, La Carta Fides, it's called. That's where the Sinatra family is from. And that's where Lucky Luciano is from. Yeah. His real name was Salvatore Lucania. My family knew the Lucanias. Oh, really? They were great people. They were uh-huh. wonderful people. When 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 uh, Lucky died, he died at an airport in, in Naples. And he couldn't get back into this country until uh, he was dead. And yeah. he was buried in Queens, New York. Uh, but Lucky Luciano, he was the guy who started this whole thing. Uh, and... Uh, I have to think about John A. Light in comparison to him. He, John, he never would have made it under Lucky Luciano because he really? was too much of a cowboy. Oh, John's yeah. too much of a cowboy. Yeah. Lucky yeah. did not like cowboys. He liked everybody. No, he did line. not. And he did not suffer cowboys. Nope. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, you went pretty quickly. Uh, but but I could tell you, John, and I, I say this from the bottom of my heart, this guy could have been anything he wanted to be. Huh. That's how so, smart he is. Tell us some of the stories out of your book, uh, some of the, the international crimes he got into. That's not something a lot of people know about. Yeah, he was he was involved with this guy. I can't think of the name of the guy now, but he was involved with a guy in uh, in 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 Europe, in Scandinavia, and they did a lot of drug deals. He was mm-hmm. John was getting into a lot of drug things, uh, and he was being chased from basically from country to country until he finally came back here. Uh, Stories. I mean, I would have to be reminded of the stories, frankly, yeah. uh, or, or read, read read my book again. <laughs> uh, but uh, beating people up, like you 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 said that there was a limousine company in Kansas City. Well, he had a parking company in Florida that was throwing him twenty five, thirty million dollars a year. Wow! And he walked away from all this huh. because they were going to get him. I mean. It, the, the feds were going to get him and they were going to put him in jail for a very long time. Um, but as a person, uh, I welcome him into, into my home. I, he's, I'd, I'd let him watch the grandkids. I mean, that's the kind of trust I have in a guy like John A. Light. And I'm talking about a guy who murdered, who uh, admitted to murdering 16 people. Yeah. 
How did he fall out with the Gottis then in, in, at the end there? Well, there's all kinds of rumors that he slept with Victoria Gotti, which I, I, I flat out asked him that and he wouldn't answer me. Yeah. Which tells me he did. <laughs> but I, that's all my, my, own, my own supposition. Um, <laughs> he's a gentleman. Uh, I, I could tell you he's, he's, I've seen him with women who are absolutely stunning. He's a magnet to women. Yeah. But how did he fall out with the Gaudis? Uh, they sort of turned on him. And, you know, when they say rat, it's a bad word. I mean, yeah, but they but they were turning on him. Uh, they, they were when he was away, they were pointing fingers that he did all these crimes and some of them he didn't do. And, you know, if you're going to rat on me, I'm going to rat on you. What am I going to do? Suffer in jail for the rest of my life? He was faced with life imprisonment. Yeah. And he decided that he wasn't going to take that life. And, and, and now he's going around telling younger people not to get into the life, which mm-hmm. I think is admirable. Um, but still, one question I asked him, uh, Gary, I said, you know, you used to make $40,000 a month in cash, maybe a lot more. I mean, I, what am I talking about? He made millions of dollars a month in cash. I said, now, you, now you're trying to, you know, make money on podcasts and make a living uh, doing lectures and writing books and so forth, selling baseball bats and other things, photographs. How are you going to do that? How are you going to go from <laughs> living a life to basically scratching for a life? And he admitted to me, it's very hard. Mm-hmm. So what I say, John would go back to the life. I hope to God he doesn't because he'll wind up in jail for the rest of his life. And he's yeah. still a relatively young guy. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of anecdotal stories in here. If I if I remind myself and look, um, you got it's a good book to read because it's fast turning uh, and it's some there's some fun in it. There's some funny stories, uh, but I think I'd rather leave that to the reader uh, yeah. to, to 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 expose and uh, and find out. But he's uh, he's an interesting guy. There's also a book called Gotti's Rules. Have you read that? Uh, you know, I haven't. I've seen that. I've never gotten around to it. There, there's yeah, so George many Anas- out there. George Anastasia wrote that. Yeah. I think that's a great book. Is it? And it talks about the Gaudis and it talks about Johnny A. Light a lot. Um, I would recommend, you know, I, I'm recommending other people's work, but I think that's one of the best books I've read on the mob. So he went to, he ended up in jail in Brazil. And I assume that's because he had those indictments up in uh Yes. In the Tampa area for that, those scams he was running up there. He had uh, what I read. Right. Was he, he had a valet company and then he was going around uh, uh, extorting other money and, and strong arming other valet companies where it would only be his valet company, kind of your usual mafia kind of yeah. uh, uh, suppression of uh, competition tactics. And Yeah. And, and, you know, Gary, when it came to selling drugs, which, of course, you've heard for many, many years that. The heads of the of the mob, uh, the mob families didn't uh, support selling drugs, but they all took envelopes. John yeah. moved a lot of weight yeah. uh, in, in cocaine and heroin. He moved a lot of weight and that really put him on the run as well. Uh, and he lived in Cuba. He lived in, in Brazil uh, and they finally caught him in Brazil and threw him in, in the, probably the worst prison that you can imagine. And when he talks about it, I mean, your hair stands up. Yeah, I, I've talked to. A he actually of those killed guys. the guy. He actually killed the guy in the jail there. Yeah, 
Yeah, I've talked yeah. to a couple of those guys that got thrown in prisons in other countries, and and it's not a pretty sight. It's a tough way to no. go, man. No, and uh, and he was there for a couple of years, I believe. Yeah, and then they finally moved him, and he he paid his way out. Believe it or yeah. not, he huh. he had a you know he got enough money from the outside because of yeah. his drug trade that he paid his way out of prison, and then made his way back here. That you know the feds picked him up and took him back, and then he uh, you know he he, he proffered and. Uh, he, 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 on Coniglia and a few other people. Um, he's a fascinating guy. You should have him on your show one day. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, maybe you can help set that up. I'll, I can. I look forward I will. to that. He, uh, uh, you know, but folks, what, when he said, when Lou said he proffered, that's a, that's a kind of a term of art in the legal profession. Whenever a person gets ready to come in and make a deal with the feds, they make a proffer. And what they do is they come in and sit down uh, with their attorney and the U.S. attorney and maybe an FBI agent that's a case agent on this case. And, and they say, here's what I can tell you now that you can't hold this against me. This is all off the record right then. But here's what I can tell you. And now what can you do for me? And or here's what I want. They, they make some kind of a, a back and forth deal on what they'll do. Like Sammy the Bull had to admit to all of his past murders in order to do that. And they tell you in that process, they'll tell you, you know, if you leave anything out and it comes back to discredit you when you're testifying against Cornelia or, or uh, whoever you're testifying against, then this deal's off and you're going to go to prison. So uh, it's a <laughs> yeah, exactly. interesting process. It's exactly right. You know, John told me a story once he had to go collect money from this guy and uh, it went to the guy's house. The guy basically ran up the stairs from the house and John shot him three or four times as he was fleeing. And I said, did he die? And John said, I don't know. <laughs> That's cold, man. I said, That's you cold. don't know. You, you shot the guy. You know, I, I didn't hear that he died. So I guess he didn't. I mean, this is a, a tough guy. Yes, he is. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's kind of like I've had people tell me, well, you're too nice. I can't believe you used to be a policeman. And I'll say, you know, you never knew me at work. <laughs> so yeah, well, we, yeah. we got I'm sure you're a tough up. guy. So the, the, the way I met, the way I met Gene Borello was, was uh, I knew his aunt from a, when I was in the oil industry, I knew his, his aunt and she called me and said, I, my, my nephew's in jail and he wants you to help him write his book. I said, all right, I'll talk to your nephew. I'm not thinking I would do such a thing. Um, but I used to get a call every three or four days from Gene from prison. Uh, this is a character. I mean, I got to tell you something. And now, I, where, I, where, where did he come from exactly? He was uh, Howard, uh, Howard Beach, Queens. Howard, Howard Beach in Queens. And, and he, what, what kind of crimes was he involved in? He was, it looks like I was reading up on him a little bit. He had a home invasion crew, which is pretty common for these lower level mob guys. Yeah, he was lower level at one point, right. And, and uh, he got, did he get popped in one of those, I guess? Well, what do you mean by popped? Uh, Arrested, uh, uh, caught a case. Yeah, for but it, a home it, invasion. it was nothing. He, he, he he was born. He was born into the life, and that's the name of the book. Okay, I'll, I'll give you a quick look at it. Oh yeah, uh, it's, got, it's got it's uh, got Gene yeah. over here and uh, and his associates over here. Uh, he, he worked for the uh, he worked for the uh, uh, Bonanno family. He was an enforcer for the Bonanno family, and he was uh, about to be made before he flipped, um, and he flipped for good reason because they were they were screwing him. Uh, 
not not getting it made and so forth. Uh, he the first time I met Gene was he he comes out of jail and he stays in a halfway house for a while and then I meet him in a uh, in a cigar bar in uh, Fort Lee, New Jersey, and he's got this, he's a big, tall, good-looking kid, and he's got the, the word omerta on his arm. <laughs> I, I saw that tattoo on that uh, podcast or that YouTube so I, video I, so he does. Here I am. What do I have to lose? He's not going to shoot me in the cigar place. <laughs> yeah. So I said, uh, I said, I guess you didn't listen. To, to, for those who don't know what omerta is, it's the, the code of silence. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a Sicilian word. And I said, I guess you didn't listen to that too much, did you, uh, Gene? And he, he started laughing. He goes, no, I guess you're right. I guess you checked his sense of humor out real quick, didn't you? Right. I wanted to see if he was going to flip out on me. But he's got a very, he's got a hair trigger temper, which got him in trouble just yeah. recently. Um, he got in trouble with his ex-girlfriend. No. Right now he's, he's under house arrest and oh, God. Uh, he'll be finished in January. <laughs> and hopefully, you know, he, he needs a lot of help when it comes to anger management. Because what <laughs> this guy, when you ask me what kind of crimes he did, you name it, except murder. He was and uh, sit down and, and look at me in the eye and say, I really wanted to kill somebody. But I yeah. never did. I tried to, but I never did. And I'm no. like, well, you're a failed murderer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> everything else he did, you know, extortion, uh, very heavy in the gambling uh, with the, with the people he was with. Um, and he basically was a tough, tough street kid. Um, will he go back into the life? I think he's got more of a likelihood to do that than John A. Light. Yeah. Um, because this he, he's got a very bad temper unless he figures how to think, fix that now as a 37 year old guy. Uh, he's going to spend the rest of his life in jail. And I talk to him all the time about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's got he, he's ready to go at any moment. Um, but breaking people's heads and extorting them and uh, gambling. He was he was an enforcer for. Uh, uh, for these, for these guys, you know, and, uh, he, he did a very good job at it for the banana, uh, family, for the banana family. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, you know, that last, one of those last crimes he got involved, it was really interesting. I, I remember when this came out, this old time gangster, Vinny Acero, right. Got in a road rage in incident. And, and I, yeah, think I know the this is Vinny Acero. Over okay. Here. Yeah. And this is Ronnie G his nephew who was Gene's boss, but Gene reported to both of them okay. at one time. So uh, Sarah was, is kind of old now and uh, not in good health. Right. And, uh, and uh, Ronnie G is in jail, I guess, for the next five or six years. What happens when he gets out, if he's reformed, if he and, if he and uh, Bonanno, if he and um, uh, Borello get into it, it's going to be messy. Um, but to, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. I do that often. Oh, that's uh, okay. Uh, uh, well, uh, tell us that story about Vinny Acero and the road rage. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, yeah. that's uh, a funny so he story. Was, I mean, here's and a this guy. This was recently. This was like, what, 2016, I think? or Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, this is the kind of mentality you have uh, here. Uh, <clears throat> well, Vinny Acero was one of the guys that uh, profited from the um, Lufthansa, the famous right. Lufthansa uh, uh, heist which I guess you, uh, you saw in Goodfellas. Yeah. And he made $800,000 on that, yeah. which back in those days was a small fortune. Let's face it. Yeah. Now, uh, now Lou was, the way I understood that, that uh, uh, Jimmy Burke and, and right. his crew worked for the Lucchese's. And, Correct. But Bonanno family really kind of had that, uh, you know, they had territorial rights over JFK. 
You're absolutely right. And so when they did that Lufthansa heist, then Bonanno said, hey, we need a piece of that action. And then exactly is that and, and and Vinny Asaro was that was his. Vinny Asaro uh, got the piece of the action uh, from what from what Gene told me, the money was gone with Vinny within a year. Mm-hmm. Tremendous gambling uh, and living a life like that. So anyway, he was driving somewhere in Queens, uh, probably in the Howard Beach area, and somebody cut him off. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got the tag, and like you, he had somebody who get, <laughs> you know, yeah. so, some some cop that they that they had on the payroll gave him the information on the person who was driving the car. It was a total innocent cutoff. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, you could be daydreaming and cut somebody off, but you don't want to cut off a guy like Vinny Asaro. <laughs> uh, so instead of just saying, "Hey, screw it, it's over," you know, he actually they went and burned the person's car. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, and, and Vinny got off, uh, even though he got all that money, he got off uh, the trial for the Lufthansa and he, he beat a lot of raps. Yeah. Uh, that rap he didn't beat. So he, he spent some time in jail on that. Uh, but he's not well, I understand. Uh, and, but but uh, G, G. Borello is the one that burned the car for him, right? I don't think so. Oh, he didn't. I thought he had something to do with it. He testified about it, I believe. Uh, I might, might be wrong tested, on that. I might be wrong too. I mean, yeah. it's it's all garbled in my mind. Okay, now. I got you. I I don't think so, but I, I'm going to ask Gene tonight. Okay, and I'll send you a note to see if I'm okay. wrong. I don't I don't think he did. I don't think he did that. I think that Gene was already in jail when that happened. But you may be right. My facts are not so clear right now about that particular incident. But if Vinny said bark, he barked. If Vinny said bite. He bit. I mean, I could tell you one time he and, I, and one of his compatriots went into the weeds there in Howard Beach and uh, actually dug a grave to go kill this guy and bring him there. But the guy got away from them. Yeah. He tells you stories about things that he did. I mean, he as a young man, as a as a, a, a cowboy, they called him cowboy. Uh, he 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 um, took over a. Um, a betting club, a gambling club, which was owned by a mob guy. And he knew it. And yeah. he and his friend went in and robbed them. You know, it was a card game. Robbed them, uh, got called in, was an inch away from being killed yeah. by the Gambinos. He wasn't made or anything. He wasn't really with the uh, with the Columbos at that point, uh, with the uh, Bananos at yes. that point. Uh, and he, in the book, it talks about being in the basement of a, uh, of a funeral home about to be whacked yeah and and they let him off they let him off the hook uh and he was told never to do anything like that again gary a month later they did the (laughs) same thing i mean that's a death wish don't you think yeah it is it is i have to agree with you that he may be a guy that goes back into the life if if he gets bored enough and he's traveling for money enough then he may right. go back into the life. I can see that, man. He's an intense guy. I mean, yeah. that book, that book that I just showed you guys, it's number 11 now in the mob uh, uh, in the mob world. Number 11 is a big number. There's a lot of mob books. As there you is know. a lot of mob books. And today on Kindle, it's number 11. He calls me every day, sometimes <laughs> two, three times a day. Yeah. Text me, Lou, how do we get to number one? I got to get to number one. I got to be number one. And then we're talking to somebody in California uh, to do a script for it, to make it a, into a series or a movie. 
And that's where the money is in this. The oh, books yeah. are not oh, yeah. money makers, as you know. And um, I mean, he's all over me on this every yeah, single day. Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you but, what, uh, I wouldn't want to be the guy that did business directly with him. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I, I could tell you. You want to have somebody, clear cut lines of somebody uh, the money and all to, that. Yeah. Somebody did something to me. I'm not going to get into details. That was not a nice thing. I eventually made myself whole through the legal system. Yeah. And I told I told Gene the story over lunch at Sophia's restaurant in Englewood, where we used to meet once a week. And um, he, he, his face changed. Yeah. And he looked at me and he goes, I don't like what he did to you. <laughs> and I was like, it's fa- I said, Gene, it's okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of it legally. I've got a great lawyer on it. Yeah. I, I, I'll do what you want, Lou. I, I said, Gene, you're in no position to do what I want. Yeah. I don't want to do anything. I need a lawyer. I don't need a gangster. <laughs> Eventually, I got made whole, but he wanted to go in and beat the guy up or kill yeah, him. Yeah, I know what you, yeah. I know a guy like that that you better be careful what you tell him if he's your friend because he, he may yeah, want to. Yeah. And don't ever yeah. ask him to do anything. You don't even act no. like you're asking him to do anything because all of a sudden no. he'll come back and say, Oh, yeah, I did that. I took care of that for you. Well, wait a minute, dude. <laughs> I, I didn't want you to take care of it. <laughs> you know, I have a lawyer on the case. You know, to come back to me but uh he, he's a character and uh uh i hope that he does well he's very young yeah uh but and very impulsive but the stories in the book uh there's no murder in the book because he doesn't kill anybody he attempts to murder people he shoots people up um in broad daylight i mean robbing robbing uh jewelry stores low level stuff but still you you start off like a, an apprentice doing the uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> you know and you learn your building blocks as you go yeah yeah um, lou you're on to it it works the same way in kansas city uh, and it's gone really? like that way for a long time the young guys have these little crews that start out robbing other criminals robbing right. drug dealers is the big one today and there's a lot of money in that and, yeah, yeah. and i'll bet john a light and gene brello had a few drug ripoffs of their own because oh, there's yeah. so much money. And so they start out doing that before they move on up. And that's where they get in trouble. If they, they'll rip off somebody, a protected game or, or somebody that's protected. And that's where they end up getting in trouble. It starts. It's just like that all over the United States. And that, world. you know, that you're right. They both told me the same thing, Gary, independent of each other. Uh, they both told me that we don't want to mess with civilians. Yeah. Civilians, meaning a guy like me or you who are not involved in their life. Right. But the minute, the minute you cross over the line, yeah. which means if you gamble with them, if you owe them money, if you borrow money from them, if you sell them drugs or they sell you drugs, the minute you go over that line, you're fair game. Yep. Yep. They're That's not exactly. going to. Exactly. I guess it's the same way in Kansas City. Yeah, it's that kind same of way. Exactly the yeah. same. If, uh, you know, the, the country club where there may be $10,000 on the table in the game in the back room, they're never going to touch that. But, no. but the game down there in the back room of reliable legal services that has, you know, maybe $5,000 on the game right. on the table, they might go rob that one, except it's yeah. protected. But there's other games around the city that are like that in houses and, and back of bars and stuff. And, and they'll hit one of them if they're not protected. And so they just have to be careful and not hit a protected game. That's uh yeah, but this guy was hitting protected games. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, you're 21 years old and you're breaking into a a, a made guy's made bar. Guys. Oh yeah. yeah, and then you and then you're called, you're caught, you return the money. The story is fascinating in the book. You re- return the money. You're forced to return the money, 
and they call you to a sit down where you almost lose your life. And in a month later, you're doing the same thing. The same thing. Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, he's a bit impulsive. Interesting yeah, guy, though. Yeah, I'd like to get him yeah, on the show, too. <laughs> Fearless. Well, I can, I, I, I can I, arrange that. All right. Well, I, I watched I some of think, those things yeah. with those two guys. And, and I, uh, you know, what you're describing is is a, you're, you're spot on, man. He is a, an impulsive guy, a little oh. bit unsure of himself. But, you know, but but then he'll come forward and, and start talking. Now, they're doing some kind of like... Uh, 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 I can't think of the word. They're, they're like inspirational kind of business too, aren't they? Are both of them giving inspirational kind of talks? Not Gene. Oh, Gene's not. Oh, I thought he no. was too. I knew Gene, Eli Gene, was. Uh, not not Gene. Okay. Uh, John is. John okay. John speaks to students and young people, uh, trying to tell them don't go into the life. Uh, and and I, the more he does that, the more followers he gets. So I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, it, it looks like Michael Francis and Sammy are the ones who get the most play. <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, doing they're not good. trying to save anybody. Michael's <laughs> no. trying to save himself, and he has. God no. bless him. Um, no. But uh, Sammy doesn't care about any of that. I know. Um, and a lot of it's becoming more theater. No, it's all theater now. Don't you agree? Yeah, yeah, it's down to all theater now. That whole fight between Sammy and Michael. Oh, please, please, yeah, please, please. a good word. You know, (laughs) talk about it. I'll I'll kill you. I'm like, man, if I, I'm like, all right, okay. Chapter two. They have good. They have good screenwriters. Yeah, they do. Uh, They do. And 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 of course, John. I I counseled John a couple of years ago. I said, stop with this with this John Gotti Jr. thing. Yeah, so I agree. You got nothing to gain. Yeah, uh, and he's after that. He sort of tempered it down a little bit. But Gene is not a kind of guy that you can. Uh, <laughs> that you can. <laughs> he's just going to go for it. Yeah, I hope and, he doesn't. And neither of these guys are not in witness protection or living under an assumed no. name, or they're right in no. their own neighborhood and and all that. So and and like engaging, you know, like saying bad stuff about the Gotties and stuff like. Well, uh, A Light a couple of years ago was shot up. Uh, when he returned to Howard Beach, he had to jump into a into a pool of water and swim. I mean, oh, they really? shot at him. Oh, they I didn't know that. Him. Yeah, I believe oh, it. Yeah, I believe yeah. it. There's a bad blood over there. I, <laughs> There's I some bad blood him. there. Yeah. You know what's amazing? This modern world, the bad blood is out in social media. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there used to be this one guy. He was he kept calling John Light a pedophile, and and he was just on a rant about and he was like supporting the Gotti somehow i met him once and and he's like who are you dude you're just a nutcase but he a was pedophile that's not that's nonsense i know he but he was all over that it was it was weird he got hold of me wanted to come on the podcast but i'd heard enough out of my then that knew that you know this is this is just a nutcase it's got a, a platform a social media can give nutcases platforms you realize well, I tell you what, I know John's not a pedophile. He's a loving father. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's a great man. Uh, he, he came in, and, and as far as women are concerned, he walked into my country club one day to have dinner with me, and he brought his girlfriend. I'm not going to mention her name. And the waiters were banging into each other. She's an Albanian, <laughs> <of> them, uh... <laughs> an Albanian starlet. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at the cleavage because I was, you know, John sitting there. I'm not going to do that. I, I value my my head. Uh, but a gorgeous girl. He doesn't need to be anything other than what he yeah, is. Yeah, no, it, it was just all made up stuff. But he was that guy was trying to get himself some kind of a platform off that whole gaudy oh, daylight yeah. uh, right. thing. That's nonsense. It's all silly stuff. Yeah. 
Well, it's interesting. All right, Lou, this has been great. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, Thank you. I have a website if anybody wants to look at it, louisromanoauthor.com. All right. Uh, and I'll, could, put, could, I'll put links to that and links to your Amazon. Uh, yeah, Amazon. You, you've got an Amazon. author you got an author page on your uh, Amazon. So it's got all yeah, your books on. Yeah. I'll put those links up on the website. So folks, this has been Lou Romano. I uh, wrote the, uh, the books on John A. Light and Gene Borello. And, and plus he's got several fictional books that are based on real life characters and real life situations. Cause he grew up in the life in a way and, and around the life and knows these guys and, and puts that into his fiction. So I suggest you, if, if you're interested in that, you get out there and get Louis Romano's books. And we won't go through all the titles. I'll have them. Uh, I'll have links on my show notes, folks. All right, Lou. Thanks a lot. Gary, thank you for having me. I hope to talk to you again soon. I'll help you with John and, uh, and uh, Gene. All right, get them good. on the show. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Gangland Wire. Now, don't forget to like and subscribe down below if you're on YouTube. Now, I started on YouTube, as you all have noticed, I would imagine. If you're on an audio platform like the Apple Podcast app, you can give me a review there. I appreciate that. Uh, you can also support the making of each episode uh, by buying me a shot and a beer on your Venmo app. If you had Venmo, that's at Gangland Wire. Uh, I have a new way, uh, buy me a cup of coffee. There's a link in the show notes uh, to buy me a cup of coffee or two. Uh, you can go to my website. You can see all my books and movies uh, that are for sale, or you can donate via your credit card on the PayPal button, or if you have a PayPal account. And if you donate enough, why you start getting those books and movies and uh, a, um, a coffee cup or a t-shirt or whatever you want. Uh, and remember, if you or a friend are suffering from PTSD, check out the Veterans Administration resources. Uh, just go to Google and Google PTSD and Veterans Administration or VA, and you'll find that website. And you'll find there's a hotline and, and there's links there to, to help you find uh, uh, resources to uh, deal with that problem. And remember, look out for motorcycles on the road and stay safe. Bye, folks. Music provided by our good friend and super fan from Portland, Oregon, Casey McBride. Thanks, Casey.